This is the Resilient Disciples Podcast, powered by Awana. I'm Ross. Thank you for listening. Um, I want to be upfront that today we're going to talk about a subject that might be hard for some of you. Uh, We're going to talk about child protection today. And I would say, just from my own personal perspective, if this is a conversation that maybe you're not ready to hear right now, that's okay. I would love to have you come back, but please take care of yourself while you listen. Joining me for this conversation today to the left of your podcast uh, is uh, Jeff Dalrymple. Um, Jeff serves as the executive director of an organization that I have just been astounded by their work uh, that I'm going to let Jeff speak to in a second. Jeff, let me just say, welcome to the po- welcome back to the podcast um, and tell people a little bit about your ministry. Thanks, Ross. Great to be back with you. I'm a big fan of Awana, um, grew up in Awana clubs and so thankful for this important ministry. Evangelical Council for Abuse Prevention helps ministry leaders know what to do to keep kids safe and then to help them sustain those efforts. Our goal through our biblical Christian worldview is to help create those safe places so that kids can hear the gospel and grow in discipleship, which I know is the heartbeat of what Awana does. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for your ministry. It's really uh, mission critical work. Um, We also have... uh, I think the right way to say this is a member of the ECAP team. Uh, we also have Sally Wagamaker. <laughs> Sally, you serve a unique role within the context of this. Can you tell people how you came into this? The We'll just say the area of advocating for kids via child protection. Sure. Well, thank you, Ross. It's really an honor to be uh, part of this podcast. I'm a huge fan of Awana. I did not grow up in it, but I've learned a lot about it along the way. Um, and it really has been my privilege and joy to co-labor with Jeff Dalrymple. I think we met a little over two years ago. Jeff came by my office. He had this great vision, um, an amazing um, capability that he demonstrated to um, and has continued to, to really connect with other folks and to pursue child safety through abuse prevention measures. Um, my background, I think, basically dovetailed with a lot of his interest in doing this, which is our law firm uh, works mostly with not-for-profit organizations, many of which are ministries, many of which are Christian. So as an attorney, God's equipped me to use my skills to um, help uh, organizations stay safe or to uh, investigate issues that may come up. So we've been given a broad uh, breadth of um, client needs. Um, Typically, calls about these issues are either um, uh, 911-type issues of something really bad just happened or people are coming to plan. And so I've told clients for years, I have had uh, done legal aid, I've done employment law, I've done all kinds of different things that um, people come in two ways. They come to plan or they come in crisis. And so ECAP is to help people to plan. Yeah. And we're going to speak to the specifics of how you guys help ministries plan uh, in a second, but we also have Andrea Perkins here. Uh, Andrea is the, the Awana missionary for the heart of Texas. And Andrea, when you and I spoke in a different capacity, it was clear to me that this was such a passionate issue for you. You know, people become an Awana missionary from a wide variety of backgrounds, but I'm curious for you to ask the, maybe the most obvious question I've ever asked on this podcast. Why is this such an important topic for folks to engage in? I I think it's so important to engage because it's so uncomfortable to engage, right? We look at church and we look at ministry and it's supposed to be, you know, unicorns and rainbows or just like the sky opening and a dove descending. And there are aspects to ministry because it is run by people, um, that can be really broken. And it doesn't have to be that way. If as Sally said, we are planning, um, good protective policies that are easy, um, to implement and to enforce. Um, so I think, I think it's just so valuable to 
keep children safe so that we can be showing them that gospel every day. Amen to that. So let's talk a little bit about how you guys are able to execute on this plan. I will just say that for folks who maybe you're driving right now, or you're not in a position to check it out, all of the information that you could possibly want uh, for uh, ECAP, including information about their conference that was held that I would love to hear more about um, is in the show notes of this episode. So please take the time. If what we talk about today resonates with you, the last thing I would want is for you to go, man, that was a really good podcast and not do anything with this information. So, uh, Jeff, I'm going to just, we'll say, I'm going to poorly summarize what you all do, and then you can feel free to add in the detail that you need to add. But how I understand what you guys do is that you offer an accreditation to, uh, any organization that wants to go through this process to allow for a helpful review and planning process to make sure that we are living up to our biblical mandate to protect kids. And what I appreciate so much about that perspective is it is a, it communicates a level of transparency, but when you are willing to go through a process about something, it's because it's important. You know, my wife and I have been foster parents and what was amazing to me about the process of being foster parents was the amount of hours you spend in training. <laughs> I remember someone saying like, Oh my gosh, it, cause it was something like 24 hours or something of training. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. my response was, yeah, for a kid, like, of course I would spend 24 hours doing it. Like there's nothing mm -hmm. more important that I could be engaged in. And I think similarly, mm -hmm. I want to make sure people understand that yes, there are steps to go through, but each step you take is intentional. Your organization exists to help the organizations that work with you guys. And it is critically important because no work of the gospel can be done without a properly addressing the issues of child protection. Now, uh, Sally, I'm going to actually, we'll, uh, we'll start with you here, but I'm curious from your perspective as in, from a legal perspective, what are the mm -hmm. ways where organizations typically fall short in child protection? Hmm. Oh, I would defer to Jeff on that question. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, but so, but I'll, I'll answer a little bit and then Jeff can yeah. mop up and clean up after me. So one is not having uh, any kind of policy and being very ad hoc. Um, I've seen it kind of on the riskometer of like, you know, a little bit or nothing. And, and the worst ones are just have nothing at all, but sometimes to have something and then to not actually follow it is bad. So I guess maybe clarifying that is not recognizing that there's a problem. Mm -hmm. um, I did a, a, a all day conference a year and a half ago, I think right before COVID uh, where people said, well, we just all know each other and it's all great. And that's like, you know, the hardest thing ever. So to not recognizing the problem and then uh, probably not following through. And so I think ECAP has been very careful um, and will continue to be to say that this is not bulletproof. This is not like if you fought, you know, if, if you put this stuff down on paper, it'll be great. It's like, no, you have to actually think about it, be proactive about it, embrace it. We have a governance aspect of the accreditation standards that says the leadership really affirms this. And then you, you're so attentive to it, like you said, with the training, by the time you're done with your training, you have a much better understanding of how to do it. And then you actually follow through on a day-to-day -day basis with um, attentiveness. So it really, I think I see the accreditation as more of a tool and a diagnostic to help awareness and help follow through. Um, and then hopefully the result is that children stay safe. That's obviously what we're all aiming for, uh, but we have to, to really uh, pay attention and, and do what we say we're going to do. 
Okay, Jeff, did I get that right? (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, ministry leaders are often unsure where to start. You know, I've talked to some pastors who think that having a deputy sheriff at their church is is sufficient. Mm -hmm. And we're thankful for the deputy sheriff at that local church, right? Uh, For sure, that's important. Um, Or background checks. Background checks are sufficient. And we would say they're not. They're important pieces of a holistic child protection program. And then to Sally's point, not only do you need to know what to do, you need to implement it and you need yeah. to keep it, uh, you need to keep it going. And so ECAP is, uh, is intended to help ministries keep those programs sustained. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've, you've probably had enough ministry experience to know that maybe a pastor starts something and there's a leadership transition or something happens. And so what was created one year, two, three, four years later may not still be operating as intended. And right. so ECAP through our accreditation program allows for that kind of check-in, Hey, how are you doing? How are you doing with, um, your child protection measures? Are they still operating as they were designed? Yeah. Well, and it's so, you know, I think one of the most important things, one of the most basic things we can do is talk about it. Uh, mm-hmm. cause the fact is it's just not talked about as much as it should, particularly mm-hmm. because of the pervasiveness of the issue, Jeff, you're mm-hmm. probably best equipped to speak to this, but can you just for people who are relatively new to paying attention, can you speak to, uh, I know when you share them with me, the statistics around child abuse were pretty alarming. Yeah, they are pretty alarming in our culture where we have most of the statistics. Um, the CDC will report one in three girls will be sexually abused before their 18th birthday. I mean, you just let that rest for a second, you know, one in three. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not, it, it's not merely for girls, but also one in seven boys will be sexually abused before the 18th, 18th birthday. So it's pretty significant. Um, in the churches, there's less data and information on this topic, but uh, church law and tax uh, through Christianity Today says that the single greatest factor that drives churches into court is the sexual abuse of a minor. And so we get reports um, on a pretty regular basis of abuse that takes place. Of course, anecdotally, there's dozens and dozens, sadly, of articles and information written that you could search um, the internet for and find. The Houston Chronicle has um, summarized some of that in Southern Baptist churches through their abuse of faith. Right. Which we've um, we've produced an opinion piece uh, on that. I'm trying to help churches move in the right direction. Sure. Yeah. Well, oh, go ahead. I'd, I'd love to piggyback on that if I could. Please. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Three things I just want to highlight that um, I think are just really important. And one is with the ECAP standards. This was something that developed um, not hmm, maybe surprisingly in certain ways, but through the process, um, ECAP accreditation started, standards started with an expert panel of people from very diverse backgrounds, but involved with child safety. And then um, the next um, round was through the legal review. Then that's what I chaired. And then it kept going and going. And now we're in the beta testing. Um, so it's just really getting uh, higher standards of excellence. And so one of the, the fruits of that process was evolving the biblical standards. And so it's almost a plus. And I, I think it's a, a very important part of the accreditation standards. So there's kind of this, you know, the typical, you know, bathroom t- diapering, um, the two parent or the two adult rule, um, things right. that are, should be familiar, but the biblical standards is really something to say, well, how do we teach about sexuality? How do we teach about bodily mm. integrity and leaving each other alone? And I've been um, repeatedly actually reminded um, in, in, you know, sad ways that so much of abuse actually is child upon child. 
um, or right. older child upon younger child. So it may be an abusive situation in a family, or it may be, you know, somebody in a position of, of power as an adult, but by teaching and, and um, affirming in the accreditation centers, how do we view each other as children of God? I think that's a real plus as part of the accreditation. Um, the second thing, just to kind of, to, you know, build on the, the, I don't have all the stats like Jeff does, but my understanding is generally trending wise is that as more secular organizations get better and smarter about this, that predators go more and more to churches. And so that's why maybe churches might say, wow, you know, uh, this hasn't been a big deal. Maybe it was hidden. Maybe it was just not discerned, but in any event, uh, predators go where it's easy to get in. And so that's why churches need to be very attentive. And then the third thing is, that I've seen more uh, recently too, as my practice is that church, you know, we're churches, I think, um, as, um, Andrea had, uh, so beautifully said, you know, church, we want to be really sensitive churches. It's not with unicorns and rainbows. Uh, it's a place for hurting people. And so as an attorney, I'm getting more claims of people who might say, um, you know, I was spiritually abused or, um, something that bad, bad that happened in this church now triggers some, um, traumatic memory for me. And above all, the question is, is this a place? where I will be cared for? Is this a place where people like me will be paired, cared for? So to be a leader, to be a wonderful church is, is to do these things, but more broadly is to say we embrace caring for each person as made in the image of God and worthy of being shepherded and being um, you know, taken care of in ways where people will not be harmed to the best of our abilities. Amen. Uh Sally, you can just take over the podcast as far as I'm concerned. No, 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 no. I mean, sincerely, because I think, you know, when you hear statistics like that, when this is a one in three girls, one in seven boys, just a baseline, we don't talk about this as a church at a level that is indicative of one in three girls and one in three boys or one in seven boys, Mm -hmm. excuse me. And by willing to be willing to connect it back to what scripture says we should be doing, what we as adults should be doing. Mm-hmm. You know, every week on this podcast, we talk about resilient child discipleship and a loving, caring adult. And I said it, I think in our initial conversation, yeah. my initial conversation with Jeff, but this is the ultimate perversion of that. Right. And any work that you as a minister yeah. doing as loving, caring adults, you need to be prepared for this because that work can be undone by mm-hmm. the perversion of a loving, caring adult. Andrea, I know you're yeah. about to jump in. Right. Um, yeah. but please do. And then I got a question for you as well. Yeah. I mean, everything that Sally was just saying, it just, it kept resonating with me about our ministry philosophy of the three B's, you know, that you can't belong in a place where you're being offended against, mm-hmm. right. You can, you can be forced into still being in the same room as somebody with that mm-hmm. the discipleship belonging that we preach in our first three mm-hmm. B, um, can't take place in an unsafe environment that, truly believing that there is a big unseen God who loves you enough to send his son to die for you. Probably not going to happen. If you don't believe that the person standing in your classroom cares enough about you enough to not hurt you. And you're certainly not going to become the kind of disciple that makes a fearless future of the church. If you have seen had a front row seat, as Valerie Bell says to a really backward or harmful way of expressing, you know, faith. Um, so that's, it's wonderful that this fits so well, um, into the lifelong, you know, the resilient discipleship that we're trying to build. This is so critical, um, to keep totally. discussing. So Andrew, mm-hmm. I want to lean into what you're experiencing every day, you know, for folks who don't necessarily have a connection to Awana, um, you as a missionary, you are 
uh, the person who is connecting with churches. You are there answering questions. You are the uh, boots on the ground to use a uh, overly cliched expression. The trenches, um, right? The trenches. Yeah. Gotta even go before mm-hmm. boots on the ground, right? <laughs> there you go. So, um, you know, I'm not asking you to speak for one. I'm not asking you to speak for the state of Texas. But I'm curious how you begin to diagnose what your churches are, how they're currently approaching this issue and how you try to navigate them to where at the very least you and I are at the same page and how they should be addressing it. Right. Yeah. I I spend the most time with churches who are not attempting to navigate it. So as Sally mentioned, the people who really aren't thinking about Mm. it, who think that they're fine. Um, you know, I have, I do trainings and, you know, in churches all over, you know, my 51 counties and I get people who say, well, we, you know, we haven't really thought about that. We've not really put anything on paper, but you know, the kids are safe here. And I tell them that's not good enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I get to be extremely blunt because I'm this wonderfully um, impartial outsider <laughs> um, who just gets to speak on the behalf of healthy ministry. Yeah. You know, I'm not a stakeholder in their ministry, but I can tell them, I require two things of your Awana club. And I think these two things should be applicable for any children's ministry. You will proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ with clarity and urgency every time you have kids in the building. And number two, you will institute and uphold a solid child protection policy. That's it, right? I don't care if your kids put their toes on the line. I don't care if you use puppets or not. Like none of those things matter to me um, if you're doing the gospel work and then um, and keeping the kids safe. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Awana. Our kids are in a faith crisis and need your help now. We need your best gift to reach even more kids with the gospel and further child discipleship, both in the U.S. and around the globe. Awana works even in the face of aggressive secularism, and the time to give is now. Give today at awana.org slash donate. The biggest thing that I see from my churches who try to put in a policy and, and really struggle with getting their leaders on board um, is the fact that they're volunteers, right? So yeah. you have to you have to get them in on the vision because you're not their boss, right? You can't make them do anything, but you sure can fire them if they refuse to follow policies you institute. And you have to be willing to do that. So many of my churches look at me like I have a bump on the head when I say that you should fire volunteers who don't follow rules because they're like, Andrea, I need more volunteers. I always need more volunteers. And I'm like, but not that one. Like, yes, you may need more, but you don't need the one who refuses. I don't care if it's your mother-in-law. You will put two adults in that room because the issue isn't that your mother-in-law might be a predator. She's almost certainly not a predator, but I need for any casual observer to look into your children's wing and see a fortress of child protection that keeps predators from trying to serve in your ministry. Yeah. Right. It's defense, defense first. Um, well, so I, I do get to explain that in a really awkward way. to lots of, <laughs> lots well, of and I think it's, you know, there. similarly the work you're doing, being able to explain that to churches is critically important because I think for all of you, you know, this is a conversation that everyone comes into well-intended. The mm-hmm. folks who aren't engaged in this conversation at all aren't doing so from a malicious place, like you're saying. They're, like they're almost certainly not a predator themselves, but mm-hmm. they're they're making assumptions, or they are 
overburdened by the many mm-hmm. other aspects of ministry. And what I appreciate mm-hmm. so much about your framing, Andrew, is that it elevates keeping kids safe uh, to the level of importance that it should be. And I would imagine, mm-hmm. and you guys can certainly speak to this better than I can, it is much harder to uphold standards than it is to make them. And that's where I want to dive into this conversation next, because um, Jeff, let's, we'll start with you. You know, you have done, you've done the hard work, as Sally was alluding to, of gathering experts, making sure folks um, who go through this accreditation process are getting the kind of not only training, but um, accountability that is warrant of getting this accreditation from your organization and the transparency that comes with that. Um, we don't, I don't want to go through all of the standards partially because I want people to check out your organization, but also because I only have about 30 minutes with all of you. Um, but Jeff, can you speak to, maybe we can do this way, um, where Jeff, you kind of speak to the genesis of that, how those standards kind of came together. And then Sally, if you wouldn't mind just being able to unpack just a couple of them, if that's appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that way, uh, people can kind of get a taste of what we're talking about here more practically. So Jeff, how did this all come together? When you think of child protection, you really think of of five categories. We think of governance, as Sally mentioned, and that's really the checks and balances, leadership, approval and involvement of policies and procedures and and so forth. Next, we look at child safety operations. Um, And in that, we're talking about things such as ratios of adults to children, kind of like what Andrea was talking about a moment ago, or check-in and check-out procedures for younger children. Mm-hmm. Um, details surrounding transportation of children and overnight accommodations if you're going off to summer camp or to a, a D-NOW or a retreat. Right. The third category, think about the right screening that you need to have for your workers. By workers, I'm talking about both employees and volunteers. Mm-hmm. And then fourth, So after screening, after fourth training, and then finally having a response plan, what we want to help ministries do is make sure that they have a response plan before abuse is reported or allegations of abuse um, arrive in the ministry. So those are five categories of which to kind of wrap your mind around. What are we talking about when we're talking about child protection program? And that's really at the heart of ECAPS accreditation and child safety standards. That's great, Jeff. And exact, you know, Sally, like I was beginning to say, I'm sure most folks who are listening, odds are that their church runs some some level of background check. Um, mm-hmm. I'm curious, you know, hearing Jeff speak to those five uh, areas, uh, mm-hmm. it speaks to how uh, comprehensive this work has mm-hmm. to be. But can mm-hmm. you, you know, what are some things that are on this list of standards to meet or accreditation that you feel like might be uh, we'll, we'll say surprising to folks. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Well, <laughs> I like the end of your question because I want to just catch a few things from Andrea without being, um, uh, while still answering your question. So one thing with the volunteers, it's really, I mean, Andrea, I mean, you're, you're spot on. I mean, Hey, we're volunteers. Isn't it great that, you know, you'd be lucky to have us. Well, it's interesting. Jeff and I spoke at a conference last week and somebody came up afterwards and he said, you know, so-and-so got rejected actually from screening, wasn't allowed to be a volunteer, um, because they had something questionable and they felt really bad about that. But you know what, about a month or two later, that person got arrested for doing some bad thing to children. And, you know, it was like, oh, 
there's a reason why we have this gatekeeping. You know, there's other things to do too, but you know, you've got to follow through. Um, I've seen too that sometimes with attorneys, not all the attorneys are the same size or same expertise. So just mm -hmm. because there's an attorney or somebody else in the church doesn't mean that there are experts. I've, I've worked with a lot of organizations where maybe attorney is the one who's most sensitive to it from a risk management standpoint. So they may be the ones who you know get over um, to me, but they don't necessarily you know have the knowledge, and that's where. ECAP is such a helpful tool. Um, again, it's, it's a wonderful tool. It's a measurement to say, okay, this is good or this is not good. And here's some ways that you can make it better. So to go into some specifics here, first of all, from the overarching perspective, these five areas, governance, operations, training, screening, and response. Um, first there's standards, and then there's comments. So the standards are meant to be as binary as possible. Yes or no, check the box, come back later when you fixed it up. So here's your measuring a diagnostic, how things are going, well, let's get you accredited, let's get you up and running. And then the comments are basically best practices. So should you, you know, should you have two or three adults? Um, how should you deal with overnight trips? All kinds of things in those comments that are meant to help people move along, like the biblical sexuality aspects. Um, some specific things that we um, had dealt with, uh, particularly in those comments, were uh, small groups. What about when you have the home Bible study, and uh, is it a church-sponsored event or it's not? You know, plain lawyer is going to sue everybody. So if you say, um, and what we came down to with the, the comments was make sure you define this is a church sponsored event. If you have a barbecue at your house, that's awesome. And it's not a church sponsored event unless the church says it is. And then the last thing I want to mention is just the phenomenal um, supplemental resources, which we could have a whole nother podcast on. Mm -hmm. um, just very briefly, if you think of um, the response protocols the accreditation centers we have is basically a fire extinguisher. How are you going to deal with it when there's a allegation of sexual abuse? What about the clergy privilege? What about the mandated reporter? What about all these other, what about telling people in the, you know, in uh, child, um, the, uh, the, the, uh, child care ministry versus the choir. Um, that's your fire extinguisher. What are we going to do? The fire, putting out the fire is a whole nother dynamic of, well, now, now we have a real live issue. How are we going to deal with that? So we have some supplemental uh, materials about responding when something actually happens. And similarly, this is a little bit um, narrow, but I want to just bring it up in terms of the vitality of churches. And that is we have some resources developed through our friend Rob Showers, primarily, who's another attorney, on sex offenders. What do you do with sex offenders? Do you assimilate them back or not? The recidivism rate is so ridiculously high among sex offenders, except those who go to church, those who are regularly part of a church with incredible accountability, typically large churches, not small churches, because there's just there's too much going on with that. It's something to consider. It's not um, a central part. It's not part of the ECAP accreditation standards, but it is a resource tool like some other resource tools. How do you use that fire extinguisher? How do you respond to an allegation? How do you deal with some other very sensitive areas? How do you have a victim care ministry? Um, so that's an exciting part of what ECAP does. I love that. Well, and I think it's important for people who are listening to not only to hear how well supported they would be by your organization, but also what I appreciate about that is the level of the, is it how it raises the level of urgency. Because, <laughs> you know, Jeff and I first spoke early on in the context of COVID. And what mm -hmm. we were able to say was, look, y'all have been asking for a pause so you can take care of yeah. big, big things like yeah. this. Yeah. Turns out this is the time to do it. And now as most folks are operating in our post-COVID environment, it is even critically more important that as you are re-engaging with the world, you are doing so in a way that is appropriate given the context of 
who's walking into your building and who's not. Um, mm-hmm. Andrea, I want to bring this a little bit uh, even further into the practical level because my assumption is that there's two kinds of people who are listening roughly to put some folks into buckets. Folks who are like, you know what? You're right. I haven't been taking this as seriously as I have. And I'm going to jump in to ECAP because I should say also what I get from working with, from interacting with y'all is there's a lot of organizations out there that are doing this really well. And there's a level of hope that comes from knowing that, you know, especially for me as a young dad, that my kids are growing up in an environment where there are loving, caring adults all over the world, all over the country, all over our community, et cetera. Um, but when this is on the ground, the other group of people that I think are listening are people being like some form of great. Another thing that I'm either not doing well enough or another thing that I need to add to my to-do list or another thing <laughs> that the pastor is not going to understand me, that kind of thing. So Andrew, you spoke so beautifully about, you know, you don't need that volunteer, but I'm curious what happens next in that conversation. What are, what is the next thing that you're ask, that you're saying to them to begin to walk them through why they need to take this seriously? Right. Yeah. I mean, we, we definitely talk about, uh, vision in child discipleship period, because that opens all of the doors to doing ministry for children. Well, um, but there are a lot of times that I do, if I'm meeting with a children's pastor and they say, Hey, I hear you, Andrea, but I'm, I'm not in the position to dictate what this policy is going to be, or we have an elder committee that, you know, writes our policies and things for us. How do I get plugged into them? Um, so I get to take almost an advocacy role within with senior staff that I do get to meet with elder boards, um, just to make sure that they've got, you know, five things or seven things or however many things um, need to be included in a new policy if they do decide to tackle it, but just getting it to be an agenda item on those higher leadership's calendar, you know, yeah. on their on their meeting schedule um, is something that I'm, I'm happy to do and I love getting to do. Um, when it comes to children's pastors that maybe do have the ability to say, okay, I can write this policy, I can implement this policy, but how do I talk to my people about this? You know, because it's awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we have a tendency to want to kind of tiptoe um, in the language that we use to talk about what is happening to kids, even in church context, that we say mm-hmm. you know, people will hurt children or people want to be inappropriate with children. And I'm like, we need to use a word that evokes that same visceral disgust that sure those people's actions are doing because that is how you kind of prick the heart of the people who maybe aren't prioritizing this because they're overwhelmed or because they don't know that it's a problem. Um, so we, we want to practice in our mirror at home before we do child protection training, um, at (laughs) home, you know, saying really awkward sentences, like we intend to protect our children from predators who find sexual gratification in abusing young bodies. (sighs) right? Like that's, that's a hard sentence for your average, you know, your average person who's gathering their volunteers for a great new season of, of Awana or any other ministry, um, to say, but it needs to be said. Um, so I, I teach them to practice. Um, we explain the stakes in really clear terms, right? Mm -hmm. That these policies, we have to tell the people that we expect to uphold the policies that, you know, you're going to protect children, which will protect you as the leaders, which will protect mm. this church in our community, right? Presumably mm. doing good things for the kingdom. And, but I think it's just so critical for folks to know that, you know, one, there's people like y'all who are advocates in this specific area who will say the awkward things, right? Mm-hmm. But also the importance of saying the awkward thing once so that you can continue to engage in your ministry later. 
Um, we all know of folks who this was, this came out, you know, and I mean, let me be really blunt like this, this not, this shattered the realities of thousands of people around the world and their perception of the Catholic church. And Jeff, you spoke to this when we first spoke, but because the Protestant church doesn't have the same centralized reporting structures in place, there's data to suggest that we actually have a worse problem in the Protestant church than those, than they did in the Catholic church. And where I want to kind of land the plane here, Jeff, yeah, where I want to kind of land the plane here for any of you is we've spoken about why this work is important. I've done everything I can to make sure folks have at some point clicked on the link so they can learn more about ECAP or clicked on the mm-hmm. link if they're particularly if they're in the central Texas area so they can learn more about Andrea. Mm-hmm. But what I want to paint the picture for, for people is what this looks like when it happens. This impacts a community. This impacts an organization. This is the kind of thing, whether allegation or actual action that has a tremendous ripple effect throughout uh, communities. And then to reiterate where we started, this is happening to one of three girls and one in seven boys. So here's what I would love to just, as we land the plane here, we know what this looks like. We know that it's a, it's a hard conversation that we don't want to lean into. Yeah. I'd like to provide some, some next steps for folks, but you're exactly right. This is a gospel issue for those of us who love the gospel of Jesus Christ and know that one day we will stand before the Lord and give an account for the responsibility of those in our care. This is a really big deal. And I think to take that warning that Sally gave us about planning and not just reacting to some sort of crisis is really, really important. So I think if anyone walks away from this conversation, I hope they hear that. Do something now before an allegation um, comes up in your ministry. Two things. Number one, if you're a ministry leader, we have a a very simple self-diagnostic tool that we can put in the show notes. And it's a great way to just go through and say, you know what? I I think I'm doing some good things with child protection. Maybe I can improve. I'm not quite sure. Where do I, where do I size up? So on our, on our website, we have a tool uh, that's intended to help ministry leaders know where they land and any ministry leader that contacts ECAP and mentions this podcast through our website, we'll send them a copy of a great resource called on guard by Deepak Raju. It's a great book written from a pastor's perspective. Deepak is a pastor at Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington, D.C. Great resource. It's our gift to you if you contact us and mention this podcast. Number two, for parents and, and maybe volunteers, maybe you're, maybe you're a leader at Awana or in another ministry, I think you can go to your leaders and ask the question, what are we doing to keep kids safe? Do you need help in this area? Can I be a part of the solution? Can, can I walk with you through this path? I understand that ministry is a ton of work and there's a tremendous responsibility here. But what can I do to be a part of the solution to make sure that our kids are in a safe place when they come to Awana or church on a Sunday morning, or whenever else they may be there together. The Resilient Disciples podcast is powered by Awana. Thanks to the donations of generous folks like you, Awana partners with 62,000 churches in 130 countries to make resilient disciples. When you give to Awana, you are investing in lasting faith, young people who will engage the culture with the gospel and fearlessly lead the church into the future. To make a donation to this mission, go to awana.org slash lasting faith today. 
Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and check out the show notes of today's episode for relevant links from this conversation. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip-hop artist Josiah Williams and hits by Jude. You also heard I'll Let Go, provided by Josiah Williams from his album Rerouting 2. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you.